0: Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I'm so happy that you're here, and I invite you today into the house of the Lord. And why don't you take your Bible and meet me today in John chapter 12. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings, and we want to look at a verse that will open up our hearts to experience God's very best for us in an area of our life that is very important. And that would be the area of finances. Praise the Lord. Praise God. John 12 verse 23, but Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified. Now watch verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain. There's something amazing about seed, uh, and the amazing thing about seed is that it, it has to leave your hand, and it has to go into the ground if you want to see a harvest come out of that seed. Now, Jesus understood the law of seed time and harvest, That's because he is God. He is the creator and he created these various laws, such as the law of seed time and harvest. You'll see it officially revealed in God's word in the book of Genesis chapter eight, verse 22. But Jesus understood that he was the seed that was being sown So that God, his father could have a harvest and that harvest would be a family. See, God had one son, but God wanted a big family. Well, how do you get that? Well, you have to sow seed and he sowed his best seed, not an angel. That wouldn't work. He sowed his best seed, his son, his only one, one and only son. And because of that, because of the Lord's willingness to be that that seed that went into the earth and died and then rose producing the harvest. Of course, uh, there's the resurrection, the mighty ascension. And now look at this, here we are, you and me and so many others around the world as being the harvest on that seed. Praise God. It's fascinating. Now, let me say this. God's financial plan for you is based on a covenant. A financial covenant between you and God is not enacted until the defined terms and conditions of that covenant are complied with. Woo! Praise God. God's financial plan for you cannot be accessed simply based upon the approach well, it's a promise and I claim the promise, I believe it, therefore it's going to happen. No, it won't work like that. The covenant does not respond to a promise because this is a covenant. This is not a promise. There are two different things. Now, there are other things that are in the salvation covenant that include promised blessings. And if you'll use your faith, you can access that. But if you want to come into the fullness of what God has for you financially, you approach him on the platform of a financial covenant, and until the terms and conditions of that covenant are met by you or by I, God does not commit. but once we meet those terms, then He commits, then a covenant is enjoined. Praise the Lord. Let me say this that this is going to really stun some of you, particularly those of you that maybe grew up in church, you love God? but you were never shared these truths. Let me share this, the financial covenant that God has available for his people. If they'll engage him in this covenant, that financial covenant does not respond to prayer. Wow. Let that soak in just for a moment. I'm going to prove it in just a minute. It does not respond to prayer. I'm going to go further. The financial covenant that God would love for you to come into with him, you and him having a financial covenant. It does not respond to fasting. And you, if you don't believe it, try it, try this fast for 300 days out of the year, What there's 365 days fast for 300. Yes, pastor Stephen, I'm going to fast for 300 days. And after that time is completed, I will be a multimillionaire. No, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> So this covenant does not respond to prayer. It does not respond to fasting, although there is the principles of fasting and prayer that are clearly outlined in Scripture. But what some of God's people are trying to do is they're trying to take a screwdriver, and they're trying to get a job done with the screwdriver that requires a wrench. You, you can't take prayer and fasting and put it over here and try to make it work on this. You cannot drive a square peg through a round hole. Prayer and fasting are for spiritual empowerment, spiritual empowerment, the, the increasing of the anointing upon your life. Mm, 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 mm. Now, let me prove this to you. Through a very simple example, I want to prove that this covenant, you don't enter into it or you you don't try to get it working just by fasting and prayer. Let's take a farmer. Let's say you go over to visit him and you see his house and look, there he is on the front porch sitting in his chair and you go up the steps to the front porch. There's another chair and you sit down next to the farmer. Let's say his name's farmer John and you start talking to farmer John and you look across the street from his house and there's a vast field and that field belongs to farmer John. Now, what would you think if farmer John said, I tell you what, look at all that acreage I've got out there. I'm going to get a big harvest. And you said, that's really good. What are you doing? That's going to produce such a big harvest. Well, I'm fasting and praying. Do you know what thinking minds would ask? You would have to ask the farmer, although you're happy for him, and you know, he's in a good mood and stuff like that. He's fasting and praying for a harvest out there in the field. You're going to have to eventually get around and asking the question, um, well, what kind of seed did you sow? Because the seed that you sowed determines the type of crop harvest that you're going to have and the quantity of the seed and the quality of the seed that you sowed, it is going to determine the quantity and the quality of the harvest of what it is that you sowed. Now, what if the farmer said, oh, well, I haven't sowed anything. I'm just praying and fasting. You would say to yourself, I'm sitting on the porch talking to an idiot. Wow. I mean, that we, we don't want to be crude and we would never want to call somebody uh, something like that that might hurt their feelings. But you would have to think if a farmer thinks he's going to get a harvest out there in that field and he hasn't sowed anything into it, the only thing he's going to get is weeds, thorns briars, things that just birds fly over, drop these seeds. And next thing you know, you got briars growing in a briar patch or something like that. He's not going to get any watermelons or alfalfa soybeans or tomatoes or anything like that. You have to sow for that. Praise God. You don't come into a financial covenant by God through saying, oh, I just claim that as a, as a blessing. I claim it. No, you can't, you can't do that. The farmer can't sit on the porch and say, I just claim a harvest. I claim it. I take the promise. No, you have no promise in that. That's covenant working stuff right there. You approach it differently. Mm-mm. Well, how do I get a harvest? <laughs> how does a farmer get one? You sow. Okay, so the two primary acts that bring you into a financial covenant with God, where God obligates himself to, be, to bless your finances, is number one, seed time and harvest. No seed, no harvest. You have to be a giver. You have to have a giving heart. Number two, you need to be a tither. Why? Well, first of all, it is outlined in Scripture. Is it instructed in God's Word that the tithe belongs to the Lord? But let me go further. While the tithe does belong to the Lord, it is the tithe that secures your destiny. And if you stop tithing, Your destiny suddenly is going to hang in the balance and you will probably never complete. Well, I'm not going to say probably you won't. I say it with absolute confidence. You won't complete what God has called you to do as a non tither. Mm -mm. Isn't that strong? But it's true. And let me show that to you in the scriptures. Let's go over to the book of Malachi chapter three, verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The tithe is 10% of your increase 10% of all that you earn 10% of a gift financial gift or whatever that might be. It's 10% of all of your increase and tithing is the systematic giving of that 10%, not just every now and then you tithe. Maybe when you feel like it, no, it's systematically doing it every single time consistently bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now on this says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. Now, when the windows of heaven and the natural are opened, then rain comes down. It rains rain has always been a type or a symbol in the old Testament of the Holy spirit. And so when you tithe the Holy spirit rains down divine godly ideas that keep you moving forward towards the fulfillment of your destiny, that God has mapped out for you. And if you stop tithing, guess what? The rain stops falling. The rain stops falling. And without that anointing of the Holy spirit and without that mind of Christ, you might not be, you will be stranded and you'll be dry. But as long as you're tithing and you have a giving heart, I'm telling you what, that rain will keep coming down, and you'll be fresh. You'll be loaded with good ideas. You'll be implementing godly ideas. You'll be implementing godly wisdom, and you'll be increasing, and your hand will never be dry. Your your pocketbook, your wallet, your purse will never be dry. You'll have more than enough. You will be living in the land of Canaan, the land of milk and honey, the land of overflow. Can you shout and say amen? <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus amen now I want to go just a little bit further with this because we're right here by it and it's too good to pass up now watch this Malachi 3 verse 7 yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not and have not kept them return to me and I will return to you now for a Christian who drifts away from the Lord. Maybe we could even say full scale backsliding into, you know, sin and darkness and stuff like that for a Christian to return or come back to the Lord. That's kind of what we're dealing with here. The people of God have gone away from the Lord and they've gone into sin. So the returning would be, What we would use the expression today, revival. And that is a biblical expression. Revival. Those that formerly walked with God, they're coming back to God. This is a revival. They're returning to the Lord. So here in Scripture, the Lord says, return to me, and I will return to you. Oh, yes, Pastor Stephen, I'm on the front lines of revival. Pastor Stephen, I want to see all of the lost, all of the children of God who've drifted away. I want to see them come back. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, In what, sh- in what way shall we return? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Well, if you read through the book of Malachi, of course, you know, it's returning in the sense of walking away from sin, getting away from all the idolatry, all of the, uh, the, the, witchcraft and the filth that they had gotten themselves involved in and turning from that garbage and coming back to God. Now, remember coming back to God remains coming back to his instructions and his commandments, coming back to the way God wants to do things. Mm-mm. But you said, in what way shall we return? Verse eight. Will a man rob God? You have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Pastor Stephen, I'm all for revival. Let me give you a really good hint when revival is happening in fullness in the lives of God's people who, are, who have come back to him with all of their heart. You know how you can judge it? Not just the abandonment of sin, although that's big. That's big. Deliverance, I'm all for it. Yes. Hallelujah. Get filled with the Spirit. Yes. Amen. Amen. Get plugged back into the things of God. Absolutely. But what is a biblical indicator of those who come back fully to the Lord? They start tithing and giving offerings. They start tithing and giving offerings. You cannot have fullness of revival without there being biblical proofs of revival. One of those being a person is now tithing and a person is now giving offerings. Stop and ask yourself a very simple question. How in the world could somebody's heart be right with God? If they're not a giver to the things of God, if they don't give God anything or just give God a little scrap or a little trinket. How in the world could somebody's heart be right with God? How can somebody say, I've had revival when you're not a giver, when you don't, you you have no heart to open your checkbook or your wallet to support the great work of God. No, no, that's not revival. No, that's, that's maybe a half measure. Maybe a little 20% measure. You want full revival. Yes, turn from sin. Come serve God. Live for God. Give your testimony and also honor the Lord with your finances. That includes the tithe and offerings. Praise the Lord. Amen. And what way shall we return? In tithes and offerings. Pastor Stephen, I want to get my life right with God. Well, for many, that's going to mean getting your finances Right with the Lord, and don't act like that's not a part of your life. Well, that's not important, Pastor Stephen. Well, then why do you do it for forty hours every week? <laughs> you better believe it's important. Mm-mm. That money that you produce—that is a part of you. That is a part of your creativity, your talent, your energies, your 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 output. Yes, amen, that's important. Praise the Lord. So that is also an expression of your surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, the anointed one. Mm -mm. Praise God. Now, having uh, shared this short encouragement about honoring the Lord with our tithes and offerings, let us now obey the scriptures. Let us now, watch this, walk in revival anointing. And let's bring the tithe into the storehouse of the Lord. And let's also honor the Lord with offerings. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Now, for those of you that prefer to mail in your tithe or in your offering, please send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717. Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. If you prefer to bring your tithes and offerings in, Online, you can do so anytime, day or night, anywhere in the world by visiting the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage that says giving and has a red heart on it. You can click that and you'll see the exact spot where you can bring your tithe in. And also we have various uh, ministry outreaches, various ministry projects. And if you would like to sew an offering into one of those, it would be greatly appreciated. And it helps the ministry to continue to expand beyond just our general operating budget, general operating assignment. Praise God. Now lift up your hands, Father. I pray over the finances of your people. Blessing, increase. Blessing, blessing, blessing. That the blessing of Abraham is on their lives because they are in Christ. Galatians 3, verse 13. The blessing that was on Abraham is now on your people because they are in Christ. And I thank you that Abraham was very rich, very rich. And I thank you, Father, that you are making your people rich, a full supply, and overflow. Woo! Glory to God. I thank you, Father, that your people are tithers, walking in revival anointing, standing at the forefront of what you are doing in the earth. Today. And I thank you that your people are sowers of seed. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for harvest. Thank you, Father God, that Jesus operated in the principles that He created. Oh, God, we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I see. I see heavenly anointing, heavenly ideas touching your mind continually. Continually. You will always know what to do. You will always know what to do because you're a tither. Mm. Praise God. Amen. Now, let's take our Bibles today and go back to the book of John, chapter 12. John, chapter 12. We're going to be today in verse 25, and I want to talk about the subject of you're having too much fun. Woo! Glory to God. I think there are going to be uh, many strange accusations made towards you where some people are going to say, you're having too much fun. You're just having too much fun. (laughs) And it's going to be true. You're having the time of your life because you're operating in kingdom principles. Praise God. We're going to jump into this. We are in John chapter 12, verse 25. Let's pray. Father, as we jump into your word, let your word spring forth with life and illumination through the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Let your Holy Spirit come right now and illuminate the eyes of our understanding and our ears so that we can hear spiritually. Now, Father, we give you praise. We thank you that this word will not be stolen by the enemy, that our seed, the seed of this word, the seed of your word, will produce the 100-fold return, harvest within the good soil of our hearts, and we shall be blessed, and we we shall live at the very highest level that you have called us to live. Thank you, Lord Jesus, ruling and reigning in life. Thank you, O God. Thank you for the kingly anointing flowing today. Now, Father, we give you praise in Jesus name. We agree and say, amen. Verse 25. He who loves his life will lose it. Hmm. will lose it. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will will keep it for eternal life. Jesus goes on to say, if anyone serves me, let him follow me where I am there. My servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father will honor. Now, this thing about losing your life, finding his life is actually mentioned. And all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and of course, here in John. So this is very, very important because it's in all four Gospels. And what the Lord requires us to do is to lose our self-life. That these things from a selfish perspective that would not be on the map that God has for us, that we'd be willing to let it go with a good heart and realize there must be something better that God knows that he has for us. Let me give you an example years back before I was even married. There was a certain preacher that I would see on TV that I really, really enjoyed. And I have to admit that it wasn't so much his messages or his preaching or so-called deep revelations, because he didn't really have deep revelations, but I did like his style. I did like, maybe I could say this, the, the culture of the church, the ecosystem within his church. It just seemed like that'd be a lot of fun to go to church there. That would be really cool. Now I'm in one state as a young man watching this, this preacher on TV thinking, wow, wow. I wish I could live close by him. I wish I could go to church there thinking, wow, wow. That would be the, that would be the ultimate. Wow. That would be so cool in, in my way of thinking. But as my life continued on and I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues and then began to understand the power of God, miracles, signs and wonders and all of that my theology, of course, went that direction. And it wasn't until later that I realized that that was not part of his theology. And while he does have a, maybe we could say a fun church, and he has a healthy church, and he is a very good man still ministering today, that was never God's plan for me to go to that church or to be a part of that tribe or to, you know, join up there. God had something different for me and I couldn't see it at that time. But as I began to walk that journey, the spiritual journey of faith, it soon dawned on me. That's not God's plan for my life. So we must be willing to lose our life. And sometimes you could think, Oh, that would just be the best. That would just be the best, but it is the best. If it's what God has for you, but there is a self nature, that we all have to deal with that can have at times some outrageous pulls, very strong inclinations towards certain things. And if you don't check that with the Word of God and with the Spirit of God, you will end up in a place where you camp halfway up the mountain and you'll never reach the top of the mountain, which is Mount Zion, which is where God has called us all to go to. And I have to admit there are some people that are Christians that are in some churches and they're totally happy right where they're at. Even at their camp at a base camp, at the bottom of the mountain. And even if they know there's more, they, and they don't want anything to do with it, they've camped there. Uh, and they know the cloud moved a long time ago. They know that the fire by night moved a long time ago. Doesn't matter. They're not moving. They're happy and content, and their little bubble of happiness, and that's okay. God bless you. See you in heaven. But there is a journey where we must continue on to move into the fullness of the mature image of Christ to move into the fullness of the sons of God manifesting in the earth. Woo. Glory to God. And in order to get there, there are elements of the self life where you have to say flesh. That's a fun idea. That's nice, but we're not going there. And you know what you'll discover when you go along the path that God has for you. While others may look back, And look at your life and think, well, uh, I wouldn't want to go that route. You're having the time of your life. And wouldn't you know it that the church that the Lord had for me where I was going to be raised up in ministry happened to be in the same state And that one day I would move to that state and I would go to this other church that was spirit filled that uh, the church was raised up by an apostle who came out of the Jesus movement, who actually was friends with the other pastor in the other church, but the other pastor uh, did not want to get into the charismatic move or anything like that. So he had he had a happy church, but I got into the happy church and the power church. Woo. And when I walked into that church, the very first time I walked in there, I walked in and I I felt the presence of the Lord. And I said, out of my own mouth, I said, in this church, this is where I will be raised up at in ministry. And it looked like it wasn't going to happen. But, but later it happened. Praise God. My friends, my friends, you have to be willing to lose your life. You're, you're, well, Pastor Steve, I I'm going to live in this state and it doesn't matter what God or the angels want. I'm never leaving. Well, well, if you have a visitation from the Lord or you have a very strong uh, witness of the Holy Spirit that uh, you're going to have to go somewhere else, you better get ready to pack. Because if you don't, you're going to miss out on the time of your life. Mm hmm. And if you stay and you're thinking you're having fun, well, go ahead and enjoy it because that's the maximum fun you're going to have. But if you tie into this kingdom life where you lose your life, then that's actually when you find out what real living is. That's when you find the life that God has for you. And, and the Lord had told Jeremiah, look, before you were ever born, I had already ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Woo. So what do you do? You tie in to that path that God has for you. And maybe, maybe you don't quite understand it uh, when you're younger in the Lord, and maybe you think, oh, I'm going to do this, but you know what? God smiles and, and just says, well, you think you're going to do that, but I've got a few uh, fun curveballs for you, and I'm going to move you over here, and you're going to like it more than you ever even knew. Praise God. Now, that's what we're seeing here. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Wow. There are so many examples throughout scripture. And I know in our own lives where if we were to just allow our fleshly impulses to direct what we're going to do, where we are going to live? What kind of a job we're going to work or who we're going to marry or all this or all of that. I tell you what, We would be in an absolute mess. We have to allow Jesus to be not only savior, but Lord over our lives. Why he wants what's best for us. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. You know why some people are unhappy and I'm talking about Christians, Christians, why there are some unhappy Christians is because they are endeavoring to live their lives, not according to the kingdom principles. They're trying to follow the Frank Sinatra principle, (laughs) which, uh, you know, he was, he was famous for the song. I think the song was written like in 1975 called my way. And he basically sang the song that became celebrated amongst Unbelievers as being like a theme song. Uh, and, you know, the song goes like, I did it my way. And people celebrate and say, oh, that's wonderful. He did it his way. Well, what good is it when you do, your, when you do it your way, and then you die in your sins and you go to hell? I mean, what, what's, what's so good about that? What is so good about it when you do it your way and you're working for the mafia? What's so good about it where the, uh, the world applauds? Oh, yes. Yeah. We love you. Now we celebrate you. W- what does that matter when you're completely out of God's will? No, you can't. You can't truly know what real happiness is. Mm-mm. Happiness begins, number one, with salvation in Christ. And then you begin to understand God's will for your life. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I think there are some in the body of Christ. And let me, let me paraphrase this or put this in brackets, there's probably about, I think about 1.5% that this will apply to of whom I'm speaking to. God actually wants you to uh, prepare yourself for the ministry. And you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I, I I want to do something else in life. I don't want to do that. But yet it's what God has for you. And if you try to, override that and do your own thing, uh, you're, you're going to be an unhappy person. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It does. It doesn't matter how well put together your life appears to be. And people even say, Oh, you got a beautiful life. Something will be off and there will be a deep sense of unfulfillment in your life. Mm-mm. Praise God. I've known a couple of people that the lord called into the ministry and they said no they said no and they still had plenty of money they still had some things you know go well for them but their lives never went to that high place that god had for them i know one man personally who was very close friends with the world's leading prophet. At that that time, that prophet was considered the leading prophet on the planet. And this man is his friend. Well, I know the friend. He's a very old man now. And this man told me one time, he told me about 15 years ago, he said, Stephen, he said, that prophet turned around one day and looked at me and said, you know what? You're supposed to be doing the exact same thing that I'm doing. He goes, "Oh, oh, oh, oh I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that.". Mm-mm. Mm. That man told me that he went to his father, and his father was extremely wealthy, had a big business, and was planning on passing a business on to his son with lots of money, lots of money. And uh, this man went to his father and said, "You know, Dad. There are those that, that are saying that I should be in the ministry. And he said, you know, I, I think God has something for me in this area. And I'm, I'm thinking about it. And the father exploded in anger and said, no, you will not go in the ministry. You will take over my business. That's what I want you to do. You're going to have a lot of money. I don't want you being some poor preacher. I don't want you, you know, doing this crazy religious stuff. I don't want you doing that. And the father put financial pressure, basically saying, you know, if you, if you don't come this route, you know, then, then all this wealth will not be passed on to you and blah, blah, blah. And he was, was the clincher. And he, he told me this one-on-one. He said, he's trying to balance all of this. He's trying to wade his way through all of this, which is basically what is he trying to do? He's trying to lose his life, (laughs) but he's having a lot of people encourage him. Oh no, keep it, keep it. Keep the life that the world would say, Oh, aren't you a success? And so this, this, battle is going on. And Jesus personally came to him in a vision and stood before him. And this, Is what Jesus said to him. Because he told me. He said Jesus stood before him and said. I'm calling you. Into the ministry office of the prophet. And I want you to come be my prophet. Will you accept this gift? Will you accept it? And you know what he said? He said he put his head down and said. No Lord. And the Lord said. This. He said, So you're saying that you do not want my gift? He said, Lord, that is correct. And I asked him, What what was the Lord's countenance when you said that? He said, Stephen, he looked very disappointed. I knew I let him down. He looked very disappointed. And he turned around, walked away, and the vision ended. And he never. That man never stepped into the office of the prophet could have been probably was destined to be one of the top prophets in the world. Had had an anointing, had a gifting, had a gifting that would just, just tried to suppress it. It would just pop out. Sometimes it would just pop out. (laughs) He told me that one time that he was invited to go to a conference and um, uh, to be a speaker so he gets to the conference, and there's, some, there's like five speakers. He's one of them. And so the conference host gets all the speakers together and says, Men, I brought you here because you're all prophets. And he said, he said I- I'm not a prophet. And the man said, the host said, Well, if you're not a prophet, what are you doing here? And he said, Well, I don't really know. But all I do know is that the time you forced your wife to ride on that back of the motorcycle when she didn't want to, she has never forgiven you for that. (gasps) And the host was like, oh, my Lord. Because he he had done that. He had forced his wife to get on the motorcycle and terrified her and scared her. And and she never forgave him for, uh, you know, doing that. And so, uh, I mean, I'm just trying to say he had the anointing. He had words of knowledge. but But what was supposed to be something that would have blessed, no telling how many people, never happened. It never happened through him. Never happened through him. You know that Catherine Kuhlman said that the Lord told her that she was not his first choice. He had called the man to do it, and the man disobeyed. I'm going to tell you a little bit more. You know what the Lord also told her that she was not even the second choice. The Lord had gone to another man and he also said no. (laughs) And so Catherine Kuhlman said, Lord, I may be your third choice, but I'll basically make it as if I were your first. How many of you know what she accomplished? Wow. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Praise God. Amen. You'll never, ever be happy in the hidden areas of your heart if you're out of God's will doing your own thing. And you'll never know what real life is until you lay all that selfish stuff down and come into what God has for you. Oh, and you'll have people that don't, that don't understand. They don't get it. And they'll say, oh, we can't believe he walked away from all of this for that. But what they don't understand is that you walked into the glory, you walked into the blessing, and for the rest of eternity, you will be honored and rewarded. Mm -mm. While all the others that are (laughs) applauding, all the baloney of the world, that time will come when all of that goes up literally in smoke. Because that's all it is anyhow. Smoke and mirrors, just a fake, empty illusion Mm-mm. that has no eternal value. Hallelujah. Our lives must glorify the Lord. Our lives must glorify the Lord. There's room for you on the cross. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Get up on the cross. Hallelujah. And die to all the silly stuff and step into the high calling that God has for your life. There's about, uh, there's just a few people. There's a few people. God's called you into the ministry. And you've been running. You've been trying to bury that. You've been trying to hide that, making all kinds of excuses. Even Moses said, "Lord, Lord, I, I don't know how to talk." And God said, "Am I not the God that formed the mouth of man and created the tongue? I know how to make people talk." All right, if you're going to give me a hard time, I'll let Aaron do all the talking. You stand there. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! Ooh, ooh. There. Again, there's just a couple people that you're watching me and you have, you have actually have been involved in ministry before and you have sensed that anointing that comes upon a five-fold ministry office, whether it's a apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and you have gotten out of that completely. You, I don't know what happened. Something happened and you're not even in it anymore. This is what I would say to you. I would say to you what is mentioned in the book of Romans, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. And when God gives a ministry office gift, even if you have it and you walk away from it, that anointing, that gifting is still there. I would highly suggest that you get back into that anointing because it's still there. That office is still there for you. Mm, 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 mm. Praise God. Praise God. I believe that you're going to do what God called you to do. Now, of course, not everybody's called into the full-time ministry. Technically, only about 15% is called of the church is called into the full-time ministry. So that 85%, you know, you're going to be plugged into the career field that God has for you. But in that career field, you need to bring the Lord glory. Hallelujah. And you need to go in the the, uh, direction of what God has for you, regardless of where that is. uh, And regardless of where that would be, God wants you to go with that flow. God wants you to go with that flow. Now, I will say this. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to have the desires of your heart. But there is an element sometimes where these rich things of the Lord are hidden in obscure paths that in some ways may not look like the funnest thing that you would like to be involved in. But all I can assure you concerning that is this, if that it's, if, it, if it's of God, trust me, you're going to end up having the time of your life. Woo. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just say, I love preaching. Preaching for me is not an inconvenience. Oh, you know, like, oh, I've got to get another message together. Ah, I hate doing this. No. Hallelujah. I love preaching. I love studying the word. Mm-hmm. I love taking up my cross and following the Lord, and because of my particular cross, my particular life, however it is that God has planned what He has, has for me, it it does require some extra praying. It does require uh, an extra effort, and you know what? Somebody might say, "Oh, Pastor Stephen, the burden is so great. I don't know how you do it, Pastor Stephen. You should just go on a vacation." Here's what some don't understand while yes there is a lot of responsibility and yes I am called into the prayer closet when the sun's out and everybody else is playing I so often I'm in the prayer closet or so often I'm studying but I I have to let you know (laughs) I'm having I'm having the time of my life (laughs) I'm like God I get paid to do this Woo! look, I'm not envious of a professional athlete. You know, the, the baseball player getting paid a hundred million dollars to throw a ball as fast and hard as he can. Somebody might say, wow, he gets paid for that. Look, I'm not envious of anybody. I've got my own thing. I'm like, wow, Lord, I so love what I do. I am the happiest person on the face of the earth. Ooh, 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 Praise the Lord. The cross may look like a brutal means of crucifixion. It may look like a, 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 an instrument of agony in the sense it is, but I have to tell you, I'm having the best time of my life here on the cross. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God, because one of the keys really of coming into, uh, you know, the more unusual glory encounters is you just, you have to put your time in. If you look at somebody who's very developed with their muscles, look, look, regardless of the method, regardless of how they actually went through the procedures, the bottom line is they put time in, in the weight room, they're in the gym, they're in the strength training room. They were there. They put the time in. And so obviously that's why they're looking like that. But in your walk with the Lord, if you put the time in sooner or later, If you're open to it and you believe it because it's biblical and your heart is open to it, sooner or later, watch out, you're going to step into that spiritual realm, the glory realm. You're going to start having very, very special things happen. Praise God. Some of the greatest hidden blessings that have ever happened to ministers is that they were thrown in jail. Woo! Oh, oh, Pastor Stephen, that's awful. That's awful. Well, yeah. It is. (laughs) It's miserable. (laughs) You you get junk food, you know, stale bread, maybe a little water or something like that. You get horrible treatment, uh, bad lighting, you know, not enough air and all of that. But we have books in the word of God because Paul got put in prison. And so many of this was written while he was in prison. Wow. He was having the time of his life. He's thinking, wow, this is awesome. Even after I'm gone, they're going to be reading this for a long time. This is not me. This is God. God's flowing through me. Woo. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you see it? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Second, highest selling book of all time in the English language, uh, which is probably also the greatest selling book number two behind the Bible of all time in any language is Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Written. Written, not when he's sitting in a king's castle. It was written when he was in prison. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I've got a couple of books. I've got one, two, three books in my library written by ministers who were put in prison. The books are timeless. One of the books, In Solitary Confinement with God great book written while he was tortured in prison. Another book, the heavenly man written while the pastor was tortured in a Chinese prison. Mm -mm. All of these things coming out of the cross, but you're having the time of your life. It's a strange thing, but it is the reality of being in the center of God's will. And there's nothing better. Mm -mm. Praise God. Genesis chapter 13. Genesis 13. Let's go to verse 8. Can you say praise the Lord? Genesis 13. Verse 8. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you, Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. I have a prophet friend of mine. He lives in, in another country. <clears throat> and he told me one time he went into, he was in prayer and he went into a vision and in vision, in this vision. He was allowed to see a scene replayed before him. And when he, he was actually in the scene and he walked up and he heard two men talking. He didn't know who they were. He didn't know where they were at. He just knew that they, they appeared to be middle Eastern. And this appeared to be sometime a long, long time ago. And when he walked up, he heard the conversation and the older man said, lot, look, we have a lot of possessions and there's no need for there to be strife between us. So you choose where you want to go. If you go to the left, I'll go this way. And he, he overheard and actually watched and saw this conversation conversation take place. He said it was an amazing experience. Praise the Lord. Now, it's not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left and I will go to the right, or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes. See, the, these things of our eyes which are physical, right? We contact the world through our five physical senses, but these things of the five physical senses, which are an extension of our flesh nature, while they can't appreciate nice things and they, we can tell the difference between, you know, a nice subdivision or a nice house or a nice this or that, or the, the other still don't let that be what causes you to make your final decision. Because these senses can lead you in a wrong way. And when you're, when you're being led by the senses, be careful because that is the realm where Satan operates on that turf. That's his turf. And if he wants to work against you, he's limited in how he can do that. And those limitations, they extend through the five physical senses, such as what you see. And he can bring allurements, temptations that perhaps you see. And you see, oh, wow, that that looks nice. That looks like that would be good. But still, you want to weigh that against the cross and God's will, God's plan for your life. Does it mean that God wants you to be unhappy? That's not what God wants you to be happy. He wants you to have Zoe life. But you're still going to have to balance that with also the life Surrendered to God's will and the cross experience. Praise God. Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. Can you imagine that at that time, Lot had no idea that where he's going to go? Woo! The bright city lights. Abram, I want the bright city lights. I want some city living. Woo. They got the oil money going down on uh, uh, in there in Solomon, Gamora, and Gomorrah uh, and they're, they're on the, uh, you know, international trade route. I'm going to hit on down there. He had no clue that that city was being mapped for absolute complete destruction. And honestly, he wasn't interested in that. He's just ready for a good time, ready for a good time. Praise the Lord. Now, then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. That was the biggest mistake Lot ever made. Now, technically, it really goes back to Abram, because Abram wasn't supposed to bring Lot with him. He, he was supposed to leave the Ur of the Chaldees and get out of there, and he brought his nephew, and he wasn't supposed to do that. So Lot's tagging along. But what Lot didn't realize is that his association with a man that God has made covenant with that blessing that is on the covenant. Man is extending over to him because he's in relationship with Abraham and he has now separated himself from the blessing. Wow. That was the first mistake he made. The second mistake he made was going to a place that was not God's choice for him. Now, We see here in verse 13, but the men of Sodom, this is where Lot went, but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look. Now, once Lot's out of the picture with his fleshly self, now yes, we will acknowledge that he was a righteous man, but he did not have this covenant thing going on with God like Abraham did praise the Lord. So once a lot leaves, now he's finally out of the picture. God reveals more of the fullness of what he has for Abraham with the name change and all the land that he has for him and so forth. But lots about to go in the hot water and it's not good. Watch out for these types of things. Praise the Lord. He moved basically into a den of iniquity. He moved into a real mess. Well, it looked good. What was I supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to not just look for the fun thing, although God wants you to have fun. You're supposed to look for the God thing. And uh, that's a very dangerous place to be. Now, I will admit, sometimes the Lord can send you to a city or an area, maybe that has a lot of drugs, maybe has a lot of yucky stuff going on. But if God wants you to be there, You're going to be okay. But if you go there, God didn't send you and you go there just because, oh, that's where, that's where it's at. That's where I'm going. You're probably going to have some very, very difficult things to go through that God never intentionally planned for you to experience. So you'll have to go through this experience of learning it. And then after you've learned it, you know, you probably got to get bailed out by God. And, you know, then pick up where you left off and get moving. But when you're looking at people like Lot, you're looking at people that are not really trying to, you know, serve the Lord to the uttermost. They're in it for, you know, what they can, uh, what they can get out of it. And, uh, you know, if that, if that somehow is, you know, corresponding with God, with what God wants, that, that, that's okay. But they're mainly, they're mainly tracking, you know, all things physical. Mm-mm this is, this is dangerous. Watch out for that. Watch out for that. Now, first Samuel chapter 17, David is a man that knew what God had for him. He embraced God's plan, although it had difficulties, many challenges, but he embraced it and he loved it. And because of that, he excelled in life. He became famous and he was a great blessing. And we're still talking about him today. And I would like for us to look at first Samuel chapter 17, verse 49. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. What do you have here? You have a man in his calling functioning. In the, the anointing, you have a man that's doing what God has called him to do. He's on task. He's not just trying to run around and do whatever the most convenient thing. No, he wants what God wants for him, regardless of what that cost is. And he's in it and he's on his game. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. And. You know, David just found out that, you know, killing killing giants is fun. <laughs> oh, 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 Pastor Stephen, I would never want to do that. That's so dangerous. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I mean, you could die. Somebody should have warned David and told him to stay home. Well, they did. They told him all of that. He's like, nah, I'm aware of all of that. But you know what? This is what God has for me. And this is the direction I go. Well, what if you die? Well, then I die. And you won't be concerned about me anymore. It'll all be over with. And you know, I'll just go to be with the Lord. But outside of that, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live and declare the goodness and the glory of God. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Praise God. So you'll find out in life that you need to move towards what brings you joy. Watch this: joy in the Lord. And for David, that just so happened to be that on his assignment was killing giants, and he liked it, and he was good at it. Mm -mm. Praise God. And others, that's probably not their calling. No, maybe maybe go do something else. Make pottery you know or you know some something else that's nice and safe but for david that that's his thing and that's actually where he's safest at right in the midst of that you know the the man that god used to bring great revival to england and also to america in the 1700s was a man named john wesley and john wesley while he had many people that that loved him and celebrated him as a man of god he had a lot of people that would like to see him disappear and because he's preaching outside of a typical church structure because the Church of England said, No, 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 we don't we don't want you. We don't like the way you're you're kind of like a little too free for us, don't like your style. So they gave him the you know, the boot, and threw him out of the church. So he starts preaching out in what we would call public spaces. And out in the public, uh, these public spaces, you know, people can yell, shout, throw bottles or stuff like that. And so in those type of environments, you have to be called by God and do what you're supposed to do. And if And if it's dangerous, if you're in the Lord's will, he'll protect you. And don't forget, John Wesley was five feet, three inches tall, and he weighed 120 pounds. Wow. And there were men that wanted to kill him. There were big, bad, tough guys that wanted to just beat him up. And nobody could ever do it. It just, there was some kind of like invisible shield around him that protected him. Now, yes, he had men that stood with him and would try to, you know, watch his back. But Hey, this, this is an area where still you're out in the wide open. There's no police officers. If something starts going out of control, this could get real ugly real quick. But yet, God protected him over and over and over. And he rode over 250,000 miles on the back of a horse. Not the same one. He went through some different horses, preaching the gospel all over England. Praise God. Even came to America, preached in America. As a matter of fact, this church sanctuary that I'm preaching this message in is an old Methodist church built Literally in 1877, and we, of course, fixed it up and things like that. Uh, so I'm a fan of John Wesley, and I like John Wesley. He said, the world is my pulpit. Well, I thought, wow, that's good. I'm, I'm going to take that mandate, too. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm not just going to preach to 20 people or 100 people. Let's just take it to the world and look as the, at the world as being our pulpit. Praise God. So this used to be an old Methodist church built in 1877, formed by two churches that were both uh, originated from the 1830s. And they came together in 1877 and formed a church that was a Methodist church. And I am in a long line of pastors that have ministered from this pulpit. Praise God. Now they didn't have the same pulpit back then. They didn't have acrylic. ha, <laughs> ha, Praise the Lord. But my friends, you just find your thing and you get in it. And there's safety. There's safety. There's safety. There's blessing. There's prosperity in that. Mm -mm. John Wesley was a very, very wealthy man. Now, as you continue on in that calling, in that anointing, having the time of your life, you do reach some points in your life where, the, you know, it's like a storybook. The, the chapter changes. Maybe you have to judge, uh, adjust things a little bit. And we know that with Moses, it says he lived to be 120 years old. His strength was not diminished. His eyesight was not diminished. He was strong. He was ready to roll. But at the same time, he had also said in the different scripture that he can't go in and out the way that he used to. All right, Moses, we'll give you, we'll give you a little break. We know you, you're not a spring chicken anymore. You're hundred and whatever, 14 or 112, whenever he began to realize, you know, I don't quite have that bounce like I used to. What you, what do you do when perhaps you're in a different season in your life, but you still want to stay in the things of God, walk in the fullness of God, walk in the fun. Hallelujah. What do you do? We see an example uh, in second Samuel chapter 21, verse 15. When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David, now he's much older now, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. Well, David thought, well, it's just another day. I've done this hundreds and hundreds of times before. Let me get my sword. Time to put a whooping on him again. (laughs) <laughs> but he's gotten old. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. Oh, I know what he should do. Pastor Steven. He should just retire. He should retire and become a librarian. Well, now hold on just a moment. Uh, he's still the king. He's still a warrior. We just need to make a little uh, reevaluation of this, but we don't want to pull him out of his gifting. Now, David grew faint. Then Ishbi Banab, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels. He probably should have been on the Olympic javelin team who was bearing the new sword thought he could kill David. So this guy is this giant son of Goliath is catching David when he's, he's been fighting all these guys and you know, he's doing good, but he's getting real tired because he's old and this giant, this, he, you know, he just felt like this is my day. He just got a new sword. He's got a spear with him. And that new sword, you know, it's like, mm, yeah, I can feel it. This is my day. I'm going to get him today. And he, he even thought he could. And that has a lot to do. You, see, you can use that positive or negative to do something good or bad. If there's a belief and there is a determination, uh, it's very likely it could happen. Thank goodness. Didn't he thought he could kill David, but Abishai, the son of Zariah, Ooh, time for some new blood. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Abishai, the son of Zariah came to his aid and struck the Philistine right in the gullet. Well, maybe not in the gullet, but nevertheless, wherever it was killed him. Yeah. Bring in the new guys. Woo. They've seen David do it. They know what to do. Praise God. Then the men of David swore to him saying, you shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. David's in a different place now. The wisdom, the anointing, the uh, the iconic status that he has achieved—he's more valuable now just as a representation of being the king, then he is out there doing what others have now under his anointing and his example, have now learned to do praise God. Now, let me say this in the Hebrew Bible, the, what we know is the old Testament, anything that's in that Hebrew language, whether it's expressed through words or even through concepts is considered to have come from the mind of God. If it's not in the Hebrew Bible, if it doesn't exist, if the concept is not in the Hebrew Bible, all of the Jewish rabbis, sages, and Torah scholars agree that it's not something that we should do. Now, Of course, there are modern words today that we can't find in the ancient Hebrew. You're not going to find the word space shuttle. Uh, You're not going to find, you know, some of these uh, words like Internet. They're probably in there in what we would call Bible codes. But we're just talking about reading through the Hebrew. There are certain words today you're not going to find there. But even if the word is not there, there still can be concepts that are in the Hebrew language, the biblical language that would verify would give credence for why we do certain things today, because they would be what we would also call biblical principles. All right. Let me say this. Be very, very careful for those of you that are working and working and working, and you can't wait to retire. I want to tell you that the, that the concept of retirement is found nowhere in the Hebrew Bible. Pastor Stephen, I'm ready to retire. Just two more years, I'm ready to retire. And do, and do what? Sit down, shut down, rust up, and lock up, and become useless? And you have all of that wisdom? And you're just going to sit on the couch, and watch smoke all day long? I mean, wh- 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 where, where is this coming from? Western culture, it's not coming from the Bible. The concept that the West celebrates of retirement is a myth. And this is a time for David to make a switch and to realize you know what? I've gotten a little bit older, but I'm not going to retire. I'm not going to retire. I know too much to retire. I've killed giants, and there's other young men around here that don't know how to do it yet. So I'm going to coach, I'm going to mentor. I'm going to impart. I'm going to teach the next generation. What has taken me 50 years to learn. See the Western concept says, Oh, now you're old. Now you're useless. We don't need you anymore. We need to get some fresh blood in here. What if the fresh blood doesn't know anything? What if they haven't been taught anything? Why, why why are we going to force them to have to relearn and start all over again? When we've already done it, we are we've already learned it. So I would say that those of you that are in your senior years, you are in the prime years of your life. It's not time for you to shut down. It's time for you to bless. It's time for you to teach. It's time for you to help. Woo. Praise the Lord. And you need to reevaluate that just like David did. No need to swing the sword anymore. We know that you're not 25 years old anymore. Can't bench press 300 pounds anymore. That's okay. We got, we got the youngest one. They can do all of that. But what you know They don't have that. Mm. And you went through a lot to attain that knowledge. You're like a walking library now. Mm -mm. Praise God. And so you need to help. You need to help. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. May you be doing what God has called you to do until you take your last breath. May you be doing what God has called you to do. I have no problem one bit. Should I live my life out fully? Should the Lord tarry and the catching up of the saints not take place? I have no problem with living my life out fully and I die in the pulpit preaching the gospel. <laughs> Pastor Stephen that might scare somebody <laughs> maybe that would be good scare somebody then that's not right with God and the getting their life with God realizing that life is temporary you're not going to live forever you need to you need to make a choice and serve God hallelujah glory to God hallelujah but until Jesus comes back I plan on leaving a long time and the whole time I'm here, even if I'm not strong enough to stand up, I'll preach sitting down and I'll keep on writing. And if I can't type because maybe I don't have the coordination, I'll dictate it to somebody who can't. I'm never quitting. I'm never shutting down. I'm never going away. And let that be your testimony either. You know too much to quit. Hallelujah. Praise God. And if you can't do formally what you uh, previously were doing, uh, maybe they laid you off and they, they said, here, take this retirement payout. We'll buy you out. Now go, go retire. Don't, yeah. D- just don't go lay on the beach. Just go do f- in what God has called you to do in that next chapter, the next season of your life. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Find your Abishai and say, yeah, that's the way. Yeah, you did it really good. I taught you how to, I taught you that maneuver. I told you that would work. (laughs) And by the way, thank you for saving me. Woo. Woo. Got me, bailed me out just in time. Mm -mm. Praise God. I could walk into any junior high today, not as a minister. I, uh, I could walk into any junior high. And if you took me to the PE class, Where the young boys are at, or where the young girls are at, and you allowed me to look at them, I could pick three. From either group, three of the guys, three of the girls, and I could say, look, if you want a full scholarship by the time you're a senior or even a junior, if you want the scholarships rolling in by the time you're a junior of colleges inviting you of where to go, if I could take them when they're in eighth grade, and if they were willing to train, I could tell them exactly what to do in training, in track and field, that by the time they are in 11th grade or by 12th grade, there's full scholarships, rides to almost any Division One school that they could dream of going to. Why? I know how to get them there. I know it. I, I could tell them exactly what to do. This is how many miles you need to build up by running a week. This is the type of speed intervals and speed workouts you need to do. And if you do this, guys, by the time you're a senior, I'll have you running under 415 for the mile. Girls, I'll have you breaking five minutes for the mile. And you can go anywhere you want in the college totally free. Praise the Lord. Full scholarship. Praise God. Why? I know that. I know that why years and years of doing it. And then also being around friends who who knew that I can do that. And I can also raise up ministers. I can take young men, young women that want to go into the ministry. And they're like, I want, I feel the call. I don't know what to do. I can say, this is what you do. These are the steps. These are the processes. Do this, do this, do this. And if you build on that, you will have a successful ministry. I can tell them exactly what to do. It's not, it's not a secret. Why I've done it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I have no intentions on retiring. I'm going to keep on doing what God has called me to do. And, and should the Lord tarry, should the Lord tarry, And I'm approaching 120. And I feel like it's about time to leave this world and fly to my heavenly reward. Just before I die, I'm going to pass the mantle I'm going to pass the mantle. We have a lot of silly stuff today of people thinking all these mantles are passing. An impartation is not a mantle. The the release of a blessing, that's not the release of a mantle. Most mantles that I see in Scripture, they are passed just before the person died. Just before they die, they pass that mantle. Just before Dr. Wade Taylor died, He was 80 years old. He lived to be 85. Just before he died, he had passed that mantle to me, laid hands on me, passed it to me. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I was ministering one time in New Mexico when the pastor told me that there was an evangelist that had ministered all through this area. And he came back to their church to visit one more time. And just before he died, laid hands on the pastor and his wife and said, I release my mantle to you. And within two weeks he was dead. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, Mantles are, they're different from an impartation. They're different from a blessing. A mantle is something that you really have to, uh, Allow God to see that you really, really want it and you're paying, willing to pay any price to get it because mantles are very, very difficult. Remember the, the prophet Elijah said to Elisha, you've asked a difficult thing because he wanted the double portion. A mantle is very difficult to get and to get a double portion is extremely difficult to get. It's very difficult to do that. But if you want it enough and you're willing to go through certain steps and you're willing to embrace the cross, You'll be having the time of your life while you're going through those difficulties. Woo! Glory to God. One more scripture, Second Corinthians, chapter eleven. Mm-mm. Second Corinthians, chapter eleven, verse twenty-three. Praise God. The Apostle Paul said, "Are they ministers of Christ?" He's talking about these other so-called apostles and so forth. He said, "I speak as a fool." I am more in labors more abundant and stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. The, the, these constant death threats, the, the uh, experiences also where it looks like he's going to die, where it looks like he's just about going to die. I, have, I had twice in my life where I thought I was certainly going to die. I faced death before through two experiences where I just thought, well, God, if you don't do something, Within like one second, it's over with, and it happened. God delivered me, because he, he had a ministry for me. He had grace. Praise God. That's why I'm here. And I've had other times where the enemy has just tried to kill me, and he can't. Why? Because I'm walking with the God, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> and as much as he's raged and tried, he couldn't, he couldn't get through. Went right on through it. I, I am not a stranger. I am not a stranger to stories like Jesus walking through the crowd that wanted to throw him off the brow of the cliff and just walking through them and walking away. I am not a stranger to such types of experiences. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus from the Jews five times. I've received 40 stripes minus one. Can you imagine what Paul's back must've looked like? If you take a shirt off, look at his back, all the scar tissue, all the damage three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned three times. I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I have been in the deep. Oh, pastor, Stephen, don't even read. The rest It's too much. I can't stand it. I can't handle it. I would never wish such a thing upon anybody. I would never want. I would never. It's okay. It's Paul's calling Paul's cross. And let me tell you a secret while he's out there floating in the middle of the Mediterranean sea shipwrecked, having had all kinds of great difficulties and uh, not not just the physical beatings, but the mental pressures of his concern for the churches and so forth. Let me tell you, he's having the time of his life. It is the highest joy. It it is the um, most intense presence of the Holy Spirit. When you are on task, And all of this stuff is going around. Others may look at it with horror and say, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. (laughs) But you're in it. And because God's in it with you and this is your thing, you find out that killing giants is fun. Oh, I wouldn't want to be out on the field with that. Mm -mm. Oh, he's all down out there by himself with that giant. What they don't realize is that you're there with God. And there is that element where your flesh is going, I sure hope this is, you know, I, I believe I've heard from the Lord, but as you go and God is with you and you break through, man, you're having the time of your life. And even in these difficult times, God's in it, whether it's prison and you're over there writing a book that people are reading 2000 years later or 400 years later. Wow. Never would have happened without those difficulties. But yet in those difficulties, you're rejoicing. You're, you're having so much fun that maybe people think that you're not quite all there. It's okay. It's all right. God's with you and you're with the Lord. Mm-mm. So find that place, be willing to pay that price for some of you. God's trying to sit you up to receive a mantle. You really would, you should yield to the Holy Spirit and go that route, go that path because God knows where it's leading something powerful, something sacred, something precious, something that all the money in the world can't buy something that's so good that yes, God will bring honor to you in this life. You will be honored in this life, but, but it's so sacred and so good that truly the fullness of the reward can only be received when you cross over to the other side. So get up and get going and have the time of your life living in the Lord and for the Lord. There's opportunities all around you for the kingdom. Pastor Steven, I don't really know what to do. Get plugged in, get doing something. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people as they're watching, as they're contemplating, as they're meditating. I pray, Father, that they lose their life in order to find it. Thank you. To find the life that you have for them. Thank you. Thank you, Father God. I give you glory and praise. I thank you, Father God. And Father, what you have cannot be found in Solomon and Gomorrah. Cannot be found unless you sent somebody there as an evangelist. But Father, you also don't send somebody to areas that are not receptive. Where it's just, you already know it's, there's not going to be fruit there. Oh, Father, we praise you. We praise you, but we thank you. We thank you, Father God. Show your people the path of the cross, the path of highest joy. In Jesus' name, amen. St. Francis of Assisi, who lived in the, 11th, uh, in the 1100s, although, of course, he lived in Assisi, Italy, and traveled throughout Italy, a lot of people don't know. He actually uh, took a journey one time, a special trip, and he went all the way to the Middle East. And he won a Muslim prince to the Lord. Now, the conversion took place in secret. And the, uh, the Sultan said, he said, Francis, if my people find out the commitment I have made to Jesus Christ, then there's going to be bloodshed all over the place. So I'm going to keep this in my heart and I'm going to always serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And when possible, I'll, sh- I'll share it with others. But I'm not just going to go out and start talking about this or I, my, my head will be off within minutes. So uh, that was something special that came out of that. But the Lord spoke to Francis while he was there in that part of the world and said, return and go back home because your ministry will bear very, very little fruit here. And Francis, when he heard that from the Lord, turned right around and came back. Now, there was some fruit through that that royal person that was saved, but he came back. But now, that part of the world is ripe for harvest. But not the wisest thing to go over there physically because it would be life-threatening. But we can certainly preach the gospel over there through television. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. And through the internet. Praise God. So we use wisdom. We use wisdom. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. God's got that path for you. Yes, it is the path of the cross, but it's the path of highest joy. I thank you, Father, that you are revealing it to your people right now. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Watch out for that sneaky flesh. Watch out. Watch out. Go the way of the Spirit. You're going to find the real joy. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. If you're watching today's message and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, well, he died on the cross just for you. And he rose from the dead on the third day and he's ascended into heaven. And he's seated right now at the right hand of God. And if you would like to receive forgiveness of sins, he has made that available for you through his death upon the cross. So if you would like to come to Christ right now, Pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I repent of all of my sins, and I ask you to wash my sins completely away. Jesus, I give my life to you. Come into my heart right now. I surrender my life to you. Write my name in your book of life, and I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. From this day forward, step in and take control. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Somebody, you have made you've made your decision to receive Christ. You've prayed that prayer. You're a drug dealer. And you're thinking, I've given my life to Jesus. What do I do now? I'm I'm tangled up in all of this stuff. The Lord's going to help. Walk you right out of it safely. He'll protect you. He'll walk you right out of it to the life he's planned for you. Just trust him. He's going to walk you right out of it. He will show you what to do. As some of you would say, it's complicated, Pastor Stephen. God specializes in untangling messes that we can get ourselves into where we're so tied up. The devil laughs and says, you'll never get out of this. God can get you out of anything. When you surrendered to him and those of you that have surrendered, he's walking you out of it right now. Say goodbye to trouble. Trouble can't keep you. Trouble can't hold you down. God's walking you out of it into the beautiful path that he has for you. Thank you, father. Thank you, father. For those of you that give more credence to the opinions of men, to the opinions of relatives that don't serve God, or maybe they do, but they don't really want to serve him completely you need to make up your mind. Who are you going to serve? Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not, we're not playing around. We're going to serve the Lord no matter what. And he's basically saying, as for me and my house, he's saying for me and my tribe, because he was the leader of the tribe that he was over, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know about the rest of you. We're going to serve the Lord. And you need to have that attitude. If you do that and you're, and you're willing to not compromise, you'll end up in the place of great blessing. That God has for you. Keep moving forward. Father, bless your people. Thank you. Let's take Holy Communion. Grab some unleavened bread. These little wafers work just fine. Grab some grape juice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the bread, the juice. As we pray this prayer, we thank you that these items, the bread and the juice, are consecrated. And they are now set apart as holy. We give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you, Father. This is now the flesh. This is now the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the body of Jesus, his holy flesh, we thank you that you have a phenomenal plan for each and every one of us. Individually, as well as collectively as a body of believers. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God, that we are pressing to the high calling. And, Father, as we receive the flesh of Jesus, we thank you for no wasted time, no lost time. We are busy about our Father's business. We thank you, Father, for the example of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's receive. Praise God. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask that if we have committed any sins, you would wash them all away. And we forgive anyone who has sinned against us, who has done us wrong. We, we forgive them completely. We bless them and we move on with you. Now we thank you, Father. We're pressing on to the high calling of Christ, of being conformed into his image, of completing all that you've called us to do. Thank you, father God. And one day we can rest one day. We'll hear well done, good and faithful servant till then may we be found living life to the fullest by staying on task, doing what you called us to do, whether it's killing giants or skinning fish, doesn't matter. Whatever the calling is, let us be after it and join it to the fullest. We thank you, Father God. We thank you. We give you praise. We receive the blood of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's partake together. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory, glory, glory to God. Glory to God. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Now, Revelation is coming down right now. Anointing is flowing right now. And you're getting, you're getting peaks into your destiny. You're getting the curtain pulled back some and you're seeing more. God's not going to show you everything because the just shall live by faith. This is a faith walk, but he does show you enough to keep you moving forward with great excitement and joy. And God's showing you a little bit more of what he has for you. And you need to keep moving in that direction. Move towards the joy. Oh, I don't want to move towards the cross, Pastor Stephen. That, that's all. No, that's where the life's at. Move towards the joy. Wherever the joy is at, the true joy, that true joy in the Lord, that's where you want to go. That's where you want to go. Don't let the flesh deceive you and pull you into a fleshly joy. Move towards the joy of the Lord. And you have the time of your life. You'll have the time of your life. Praise the Lord. Father, bless your people. In Jesus' beautiful name, amen. Thank you for watching. See you back next time.